Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Let's dive in to see how we can reflect God's glory. In Acts chapter 2, that's where we're going to be going in the Word today. This is very familiar. If, you're, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, this is familiar uh, ground to you. But it's not ground that we should uh, take lightly. Uh, this is super important because it's the foundation of the church when it comes to the very beginning of their relationship together post the resurrection of Jesus. And so in this series that we've been in, um, the Healthy Church series, today is the last message in this series And so today, if you've missed any of these, today we'll wrap it up. And I would encourage you to please try to go back and hear some of the messages because we covered some really important ground. We started in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is where uh, Paul is talking to Ephesus and he's laying out the structure for what the church looks like. And we talked about how the church, um, it's important that the church has godly leadership, that you can trust your leadership. Leadership, that you can respect your leadership, that it's uh, leadership of integrity, that it's uh, leaders who are spiritually connected. We talked about how the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be flowing in the operation, and it's not one man who operates or one woman who operates in the gifts of the Spirit. It is all of us, and each one of us, Ephesians chapter 4, talks to us about how we've all been given gifts and we've been created on purpose with a purpose. So we talked about a lot of stuff that if you missed, if you came in late on this, please go back and and. Check some of these messages out. So if I were to put this on the screen, all right, who can finish that? Sometimes you want to (laughs) go. This shows the age of the folks in the room, all right? You know, back in the day, this sitcom called Cheers, it was about a local pub uh, in Boston, and... um, their theme song was, sometimes you want to go. Why? Because it's a community. Like in that, in that little uh, sitcom, it was all about community. It was all about the nuances of all of their lives and how they interacted together. And I don't know, but I, I didn't say it, but somebody said it. And they said, um, it's amazing how the world gets community better than the church does. You know, it's like the community accepts you as you are. Um, The community, a lot of time, is not trying to fix your problem. The community welcomes you in. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not all about tolerance. I'm not all about welcoming people in because it's like that old hymn that says, just as I am without one thing, but that thy blood was shed for me. You know, it talks about in there how uh, as we come, we won't leave, you know, that, that other hymn that, uh, that says, you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name, bound, oppressed, tormented, or lame. You know, it talks about like you can come that way, but you can't leave that way. There's transformation that has to, to be happening. 
But really, when you look at the world, many times there is a lot of value in their relationship. They build relationships well. Not always on the best principles, not, only, not always for the best reasons, but nevertheless, God created me and you for community. And I was looking on Facebook a couple of days ago, and, and like, man, I have like 900 friends just on Facebook alone. No, that doesn't include all of my other platforms. Just on Facebook alone, 900 friends. Now, do I have 900 friends I'm like, the other day I was looking through my feed and I'm like, who is this woman? Like, I do not know who she is. And as I'm looking it through, I'm trying to find, we have zero mutual friends, like no mutual friends. I'm like, how in the world, uh, you know, am I, is this woman following me? And, you know, didn't look like anything weird or anything, but sometimes, you know, and I've just gotten to the point where I literally almost don't accept any friend requests because I'm like, you know, Amy, we're friends on Facebook, but Amy will send me a friend request every three days. You know, you know what I'm saying? So it's not her. And it's like, oh my gosh, man. It's like, so when it comes to community, we have a false sense of community in our world. Like if you've not if that light bulb hasn't gone off to you yet, like there is a false sense of community in our world. Um, what we experience online, that is not true community. So I don't know what your online presence is out there in social media world, but that is not true community. Um, we have this weird, you know, social media, I remember years ago standing up. It's been within the last 15 years because I remember saying it at Destiny Church. And I said, one day we are going to wake up. This is in the very early stages of Facebook. I don't even think Instagram, uh, maybe not even Twitter was out. But I said, one day we're going to wake up and we are going to uh, realize this was a really bad idea. Do you think we're there? <laughs> like, man, it has really, really, really wrecked us as far as community. It's really, really wrecked us when it comes to, as a matter of fact, um, there's so much, you even feel pressure as a church that it's like, we got to post something on Facebook. <laughs> You know, we got to keep our social media presence alive. Who said? Like, literally, who said that, like, well, if you're not, you're, you know, if you don't, then you're missing out. And, you know, fear of missing out, that FOMO, fear of missing out. You know, well, if you don't, you're going to be behind the times. You're going to be this, that, or the other. Listen, listen, listen. I don't have time to go into this. This is just kind of a little sidebar. I don't know how much you follow this kind of stuff, but I like to follow trends of different types of things. And right now, Meta, which is the parent company of Facebook, Instagram, and all that jazz, um, now they're saying, you know, the stocks are dropping like crazy in, in Facebook. Um, Instagram is undergoing like lots of internal stuff. Twitter, we know what happened there uh, with all of that. The social media world is, is like... Um, in almost failure. It's, it's crazy. And listen to me, church. We have to be careful. Whenever there is pressure put upon us from the outside in to do things, 
Because what, what, what we were told we have to have and we need to have it, all of a the sudden, they play by their own rules. And they're like, well, we're thinking of going a different direction. Hang on a second. I've been, you know, we, it, do you know how long it took us to build this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like to build this presence and everything. And now you're saying that it's going to change. Listen, when we start putting our focus on that kind of stuff, and I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't, uh, you know, it, be involved in stuff like that. But when you begin to put so much focus in these things, it can change on a dime. The only true thing is Jesus Christ. I know this sounds old-fashioned, but the only thing that is the same Day after day, week after week, year after year, millennia after millennia, for eternity is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never going to let us down, guys. These are the principles. Uh, society's going to change. They're going to redefine terms. They're going to come up with new definitions. They're going to come up with new words. How many of us over the last four or five years, we've heard words like social distancing. That used to be phrases that we've never even heard of. It, all, it actually kind of sounds like an oxymoron. How can you be social and distance? But all of a sudden, you know, they'll make these things up. But the principles that are in the word of God are the ones that we need to adhere to. And so, you know, a healthy church today, this focus is a healthy church is a close-knit community. A, a healthy church, it has to have a close-knit community to be healthy. It does. Now, I'm going to tell you, y'all hang on with me. I'm going to tell you, in a close-knit community, what's going to happen is you're going to begin to see imperfections in folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. See, because, can I just use myself as an example? See, because if I was just superstar pastor, okay, and so, like, I don't know you, you don't know me, I don't need to know you, just put your money in the bucket, listen to my message, buy all my books, mm, I'm preaching, and then I'm going to leave over here, and my entourage is going to whisk me out to my car, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, if we do that, you're never going to get to know the flawed life. You're never going to get to experience grace with me where you have to ex exercise your grace. When you experience me up close and personal, you're going to see the flawed version of me. You're going to see uh, that I really ain't as good looking as I do from the back row. You know, you're going to see up front. Uh, yeah, I see that zit. I see these things. I see those crow's feet cr crouching in. You're not going to be, be able to experience my somewhat... Um, strange sense of humor that might offend you from time to time. Um, and you're, when you experience me up close, you're also not going to know my heart. That when I do offend you, sometimes you go, yeah, but I've been up close to him and I know him and I know that's not his heart. So I'm not going to walk in offense. I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to be all irritated and unfriend him on Facebook and talk about him somewhere else. Why? Because I know the guy. 
I know the guy. And when you begin to do community up close and personal, you know, you're going to have to be vulnerable. And there's a part of you, like, I don't know about you, but I had a part of my world early in my uh, walk that I walked with fear that I hope nobody would ever find out. As a matter of fact, I remember um, in college, I think I was in my third, second, maybe third year of college, and I was dealing with a lot of identity stuff, a lot of trauma that I had been through. And so I began to pour my heart out to this lady in our church, and she said, don't ever say that in public. All of a sudden, man, I was trying to be vulnerable and put myself out there. And all of a sudden, everything, I started reeling everything up real quick. Because all of a sudden, I did something wrong. And she said, please don't ever say stuff like that. Because that level of trauma that you've been through, other people will not want their children around you. Because I was sexually abused as a child. And they're like, they, they won't want their kids around you, you know. And I'm trying to go into youth ministry, and I'm like, my God, did I miss the call of God on my life? You know, sure, it, I mean, in a close-knit community, we need to be able to be vulnerable. And so this is how I tell people, I told my children this, I tell my church family this, you can tell me anything. And I promise you, it might just take a minute, but we can work through it. We can work through anything. You can tell me anything. And I would give my kids examples because I'm like, I, I will th- they might not know what anything is. Dad, I wrecked the car. Psh, I ain't even worried about that boy. You know, that's a little thing. But give them some examples of what, because in a close-knit community, listen, if you're not vulnerable, You will never be able to enter into the type of community that God desires for his people. Well, I got my friends. Well, that's fine. That's fine. But I'm talking about a lot of times we'll say things like that as as kind of uh, pass cards for us to not be in deeper community. Well, I got my two or three friends. You know, and that's really all, all I, Jesus had two or three. And I'm like, man, you can talk, look at your heart, look at your heart, examine your heart, because you can find scripture to validate anything that you want to in a close knit community. Well, they're just a click at that church. No, they are a close knit community that you are having trouble fitting into because of some of your baggage. Are you following me? Pastor, have you ever been to a church with a clique? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You go to work where there's a clique. Y'all go to school where there's a clique. Y'all play football where there's a clique. It's called Auburn or Alabama or LSU. That's a big old nationwide clique. Yeah. But we will use these things to keep us from true community, from being close-knit with each other. I'm telling you what, a lot of times people will be like, uh, man, I need to operate in my gift of discernment. Well, I'll tell you what, if you were just in close community, you wouldn't even have to use discernment. God, give me a word, give me a word, give me a revelation, give me a word of knowledge for her. Well, I don't need a word of knowledge because I know... I know they lost their job. 
I know that their grandma is uh, struggling with X, Y, or Z. I, I know, you know, this, that, or the other. Why? Because I'm in close-knit communion. I don't need a word from the Lord because I've, I've got a relationship with them. Are you following me? Close-knit community. Close-knit community is what it's all about. And I want us to look at this now. We looked in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and we, we saw where Paul is pointing out, have you some good leaders? Understand what your purpose is. Understand you're the body of Christ. Understand collectively you all are are keeping the church healthy. It's not just one or two or 10 people, but it's all of us functioning in our gifting together. And so as the church begins to grow in Acts chapter two, let's go to verse 42, all right? Let's go there real quick, 42 through 47. We're gonna read it and then I'm gonna come back to verse 42. All right, you there? Yep. Okay. Um. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple. Each day um, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So, in light of this, what happened right before this, Peter preached the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people came to uh, the, the knowledge of the Lord. 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 extra uh, people from all over uh, the, the Mesopotamian type area, this, this whole area, are in the city and they don't have, uh, all of a sudden they're brought into a new community. Imagine, imagine if we brought 3,000 refugees into Destiny Church right now. Imagine uh, even 300. But imagine bringing them in. What happens? Like people sleep, they eat, and they poop. That's what they do. Little babies eat, sleep, and poop. And they grow up to be adults that do the same thing. I know, I, I know this is, you know, all of a sudden, somebody's going to have to take care of bathrooms. All of a sudden, there's going to have to be somebody on, on, on latrine duty. All of a sudden, somebody's going to have to be putting meals together for these folks. All of a sudden. And so when it talks about they shared everything they had, what happened is a burden was instantly put upon the church. And the church instantly rose to the occasion and they began to share everything they had. This is not a first century experiment with communism or, uh, or socialism, all right? A lot of people use that right there, and, and they use it out of context. No, what happened is there was an event, and just good old hospitality kicked in. And so they're sharing everything. So I just wanted to put that aside because a lot of people you know, can't get past that. I want us to go back to this, and look at verse 43. It says that 
A deep sense of awe, in other words, worship, wonder, came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And, you know, in this setting, something amazing began to happen when they all begin to form these relationships and when they begin to form these alliances. And so a healthy church that has a close-knit community, we see it forming right here. It went from 3,000 strangers to all of the sudden, they're beginning to form bonds. They're relocating to this area. Have y'all ever met anybody that has said, uh, well, I, I, I have, where they say, I'm relocating to this area for X, Y, or Z, for whatever reason. It could, I've, I've met people that have relocated to this area to be a part of a certain ministry. Well, what happens is they begin relocating to this area because of their new experience with the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at this, they begin to form this community and they begin to get to know each other. And I want us to look at uh, the 42nd verse of this. And I just want us to pick this apart, okay? I just want to pick it apart. I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to start picking it apart. All the believers devoted themselves to these things, all right? The apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So when I look at this, I look at this, and I go, hmm, all the believers which signifies this is a spiritual community. Can I say something that's going to step on some folks' toes, okay? I don't mean it to be that way. It's just the truth, and I'm speaking it to you in love. If you have more friends outside of the church than you have inside of the church that are your close-knit friends, that's out of balance. You can get mad at me. You can say you don't agree with me, but I'm telling you that's the truth. What does light have to do with darkness, the word says. What does light have to do with darkness? The only thing that you and I have to do with darkness is to be light unto darkness. It doesn't mean that, you know, there are pro- our project. It doesn't mean that there are pet uh, spiritual uh, uh, experiment. No, you go be friends. You develop friendships. But if you have more outside of the church than you do inside of the church, There's something wrong, and I am encouraging you as your pastor or at least a pastor of a church you're visiting to see about writing that and getting that more in alignment. All the believers, in other words, these were not just people that were um, unbelievers. These are people who are following their newfound faith. It's a group of believers that have some commonality, uh, you know, things in common. Um, When you look at a group of believers, when we come together, here's, and, and church, listen to me. This is why it is dangerous to try to make this gathering anything other than a God-focused time encounter with the Holy Ghost. Are you awake? Pretend we in a black church, okay? Just pretend. Just pretend. Because... Because I'm telling you, I, I, I just want to know, man, like, 
If we are going to make this gathering anything other than Holy Spirit, we love you, we are focused on you, but what about all the folks that don't know about that? Well, that, that's not where they're supposed to get their feeding from. This is a gathering of the believers. This is a gathering of the believers. This is not a gathering of unbelievers. This is not a brackish uh, y'all know what I mean by brackish? All the fishermen do. All the people who are nature. It's not where salt water and, and fresh water come together and it's kind of a mix. This is not a brackish service where you got unbelievers and believers coming together. I'm like, if you're in the house and you're an unbeliever, get with the program. Oh, that sounds so Oh, I can't believe I hear my pastor saying this because you're so used to the, the wrong thing being said that when you say the right thing, come on now, I'm preaching. When somebody says the right thing, you're so used to hearing the wrong thing that you don't recognize the right thing. And when we come into this room, the, the worship is supposed to be first and foremost paramount, not the people. And, I, and if you brought a friend with you today, we are glad to have you in the house. But listen, while we're going to honor you a little bit later and fellowship with you, right now we fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost and with the Logos, the Word. And listen, when we come into the house of the Lord, like, listen, I don't go to a, a football game with some of y'all if y'all ever invite me and don't. Just give me the money and I'll go out to eat somewhere because I ain't going to enjoy that. But if I go to a football game with you, I don't get to go into the stadium and go, well, I don't know nothing about this. I don't want to know nothing about this. And everybody on the field is going to try to make me feel comfortable at the football game. Are you following me? So why do we do that with God's house? This is a gathering of spiritual believers. It's a spiritual gathering. And so what happens is if we are in this gathering, our main focus, man, is just worship the Lord. And you let God deal with whoever else is in the house. He'll witness to them. He uses the gifts of the spirit. We think that, man, God, please. I used to be this kid. I used to be this kid. I'd invite people to church and I'd be like, Lord, please don't let anything happen Holy Ghost oriented this morning. Like, if anybody can quench the spirit, let's please quench it because I don't want to freak my friends out, you know? Listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Holy Spirit, he knows what he's doing. And you know, while it may appear one way in the natural, God is in control. God will take care of what he wants to do. Let's just understand that when we come together in community, if we will get this part right, church, I promise you, if we get this part right, Seek, I'm, I'm going to seek first the and his righteousness and then all things. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Priority number one, just put God first. But I, but pastor, I, I got 
you know, my future daughter-in-law's in the crowd, and I'm, we trying to win her over. I'm telling you what, don't stop trying to win her over. Stop trying to win her over. Come on, man. Stop trying to win her over. And just, God wants the world to see Jesus in you. God doesn't want you to win the world over. He doesn't want you to win your mother-in-law, your daughter-in-law, your best friend, your co-worker. He just wants the world to see Jesus in you. And when he sees Jesus in you, then he'll draw the people. He'll draw the people. He'll draw the people. I'm telling you, that's the honest to God truth. I didn't make it up. All the believers devoted, all the believers devoted. You know what this tells me? Is that this is a committed, this is a committed group of people. Listen to me, church. Come on, Jesus. Lord, help me not to put my foot in my mouth more often than I do. COVID exposed the fakeness of people's faith. COVID exposed faux faith. All of a sudden, people just, I, I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. They, they didn't give up on God. They, you know, they still, I'm sure they're still Christians. You know, I'm not judging their Christianity. But all of a sudden, they all of this they didn't need. Y'all, y'all remember I said trends, right? I like to study trends. Um, oh my God, I just have to walk away from some of that stuff because I just would say, let's padlock the door. Let's just leave and not come back. All right, let's just sell everything and let's just not, you know, and we'll just watch the big name folks somewhere else. But I tell you what, come on now. Y'all better be careful who y'all are posting. Can I say something to you? This is going to sound so arrogant. This is going to sound so arrogant. But you know what? You need to post your pastor more than you post Stephen Furtick. You need to post your pastor. You need to listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You need to post your small group leader more than you post TD Jakes. Why? Because you don't know them. You don't know them. You might not know me. You might not know your small group leader, but you will have a better chance. All of a sudden. I mean, man, I get irritated sometimes. Lord, help me not to be all irritated and uh, calm. Hmm. But I do, man. I get irritated when I say things over and over, and people, they're like, don't even receive it. And then all of a sudden, somebody else out there, and they'll go, and they'll realize. And I'm like, bro, I've been, I, I've been shouting that from the rooftops for six years. Hmm. Because I'm just telling you, one took discernment and the other one took absolutely no effort on your part because it's now national news. You better be careful, man, who you follow, who, you, who you're listening to. Like, I'm, I, I'm not trying to throw shade on, you know, I'm, I know I'm using names, but I'm, I'm not trying to throw shade on, on everybody who's not me. Because the same standard that I use to put up against them, 
I have to be, I have to use that same standard against myself. And I'm telling you what, I can stand it. I can stand the test of scrutiny because that's where my integrity is. But you know, this is a group that is committed, is committed. The believers devoted themselves and they didn't follow just every quick and easy. That's why I'm like, you better be careful, man. Do your due diligence. The scripture says this, know those who labor among you. Know those who labor among you. Oh, it's the best song on the charts right now. Do not care. Do not care. A few weeks ago, uh, Dante Bo, who is one of the national uh, singers right now on the music scene, and you know, they come and they go. They rise and they fall, you know, whatever. And when they fall, I don't necessarily mean they fall as in they sin. Uh, It's ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. You know what I'm saying? All right. And a few weeks ago, I'm not saying anything that's not common news. You could pull it up right now. A few weeks ago, um, Dante Bo, who is like at the top of the worship world in leaders. And all of a sudden, man, some of the things he's putting out, like uh, posts on social media and stuff like that. And it's like, uh uh-uh, what is he thinking I saw one of his posts and I'm like, you know, he was, he was giving tribute to uh, Lil Nas and, uh, all, and I'm like, what, the, the Satan sneaker Nike guy and the transgender guy and he's saying that the best part of the show he's about to go to is he's looking forward to that performer? Bro, that troubles my heart. Okay, red flag, little, yeah, maybe, let's just say a yellow flag, yellow flag, all right? And then you go a little later, and next, all of a sudden, man, you can't do nothing today. You know why? <laughs> I'm telling you, you can't. Shay and I are on a cruise. We're out in the middle of, I mean, a little seven, I think it was like 17 square miles or it might've been 10 square miles, a little teeny dot of an island in the middle of nowhere. And we're on vacation. Now we wasn't doing nothing wrong, <laughs> except maybe I was in a bathing suit and shouldn't have been because I am white. <laughs> that was probably my only sin. But you know, we're just having a good time with our family. And all of the sudden, I mean, in the middle of the ocean, like I don't even know what longitude and latitude this had to be, but I'm talking about it is a pinhead on the planet. We're walking across, and all of a sudden I hear, Pastor Rife. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear, I'm like, Pastor Rife. Man, I am in the middle of the ocean on this teeny tiny private island on by the cruise line where they just drop you off and let you play in the water. And I heard it again, Pastor Rife. And I turn around and the second time that they said it, I knew the voice because it's a distinct voice. And it's this guy named Vance Mullis that we used to go to church with in Atlanta, probably I'm guessing 10 years. Hadn't seen this guy in 10 years. What are the odds? That I'm going to be found on this little dot of an island from a guy I went to church with 10 years ago. 
bro, you can't go anywhere on the planet that people will not see you. That's why we are constantly to be reflections of his glory. Now, getting back, getting back to my story about Dante Bo, you understand the reason I'm using this. I'm not throwing shade toward Dante's uh, experience, all right? I want you to understand the gravity and the, and the, the of what we have in community, all right? Well, guess what? Somebody got Dante, hey, getting jiggy with it, getting jiggy with it on the bus, and he's, he's on a bus, and they're doing some things, and they're singing some lyrics that are not lyrics that any worship leader needs to be singing. Mm, all right? Stick with me, stick with me, stick with me. All of the sudden, between over here when some things started popping up and over here to where somebody actually caught it on video, there were some other leaders that began to call out. Mm. The word of God is good for correction, reproof, instruction, teaching. You get me? So all of the sudden, all of the sudden, there's some resistance, resistance, resistance. And he wasn't buying into that. And he was resisting the people that were calling him out. And here I am. I'm getting very frustrated in and of myself. I, I wanted to post some stuff, but I'm like, no, I'm going to let these big boys who are already out there in that world handle that. I ain't going to mess with it, you know. And I'm just going to see how it plays out. And I'm like, but in my heart, I was hurting because... I've been in the floor, in the back of my office, and in here, snotting all over the carpet to the sounds of that man's voice, leading me into the presence of the Holy Ghost. And all of the sudden, I'm torn. I'm torn. And I begin to watch. And, and I'm going to tell you how I'm like, I'm watching you. I will know you. You a superstar worship leader somewhere. God has used you. He's raised you up, but I'm watching you. I'm watching to see what you do with this. I'm watching you to, to see what you do with this. And then all of a sudden, his record label, Maverick City, all of a sudden his record label steps forward and they put forth a statement. See, can I just get real with y'all? Can I just get real with y'all? See, when the local church has to do that, I've watched Bethel do it when people uh, that they associated with went off the rails and, you know, the leadership at Bethel Church had to, you know, put a statement out and says, you know, hey, at this time we can no, for we, cannot for uh, uh, we can no longer endorse the ministry of this person because they've not, you know, repented and come under, you know, this, they won't work it out with us. I, I've seen those. I don't know if you've seen those. Maverick City comes out and they said, at this time, we're pausing him. We're putting him on hold. We're not going to go any further with his music, and we're praying for him. That's it. That's it. Now, I'm still watching. I'm still watching. Okay, now what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm telling you what, I was so proud and happy and excited when I saw the young man say, 
based upon wisdom, and I'm paraphrasing, based upon wisdom of those who are much wiser than me, they are more experienced than me, they are my godly leaders, and they have called me to a place of submission. I am stepping down, and I'm taking some time away to work on myself. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Why do I say that? Why do I say that? Because in a close-knit community, it's only in a close-knit community that you can look at people and say, if I'm looking at Glenna, if I looked at you and said, you are out of order in your home life. This is hypothetical, okay? You're out of order in your home life. You can't be ministering right now. We love you. You just need to sit down, focus on your family, get whole. Let us do life together. Let us, you know, only in those, like when you come and you do that close knit together, and I'm talking about close knit, hear me, close knit is not proximity. I'm not talking about proximity. I'm talking like, well, I'm here all the time. Man, you can be here and as disconnected as, as, as you can be. Come on, somebody needs to hear that. You can be in the building every week on a team and, and so disconnected. But when you are in a close-knit community, you begin to open up yourself for others to speak into your life. See, there are people in this church that, they know they have permission to speak into my life. Everybody to a degree, to a degree, some are at greater degrees, but everybody in this building to a degree has a a place you can speak into my life because I'm submitted to this local body. But there are people in this body that I allow to speak into me to a greater degree because of our personal proximity. So all the believers, they devoted themselves. We're talking about a committed group of people. We're talking about a hungry group of people. I'm telling you, I'm not talking about these people just showed up. Well, I'm on the schedule this week. I'm going to show up and do my part. I'm not talking about that kind of commitment, guys. Even though that's important, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are committed. They are hungry for the Lord. These are people. Are you listening to me? Because if you're not this, I'm asking you, come on, people. Please be this. That when, when they enter the building, nobody has to rev them up. They just automatically know how to get into the presence of the Lord. We say yep, but why is it that over and over and over we do the same things? Yeah, you know, I'm just saying, that's how it is. Committed, hungry. Like, man, I'm just telling you, I cannot wait to get to church. I told y'all, COVID messed us up. It totally rearranged things. People come when they want to. They don't when they don't want to. I mean, if, if, if one little drop falls out of the sky on Saturday night, man, we can't go to church. If it, if it moves from 90 degrees to 75 degrees, oh my God, nobody comes to church. Y'all, he, am, I, am I telling the truth or am I not? Brothers and sisters, 
Is this the house of the Lord? Is this the house of the Lord? Is this the Lord's day? Man, this is the Lord's day. Well, I I get it throughout the week. I don't care what you get throughout the week. I get it. I get it. But this is a sacred gathering and there is purpose in this. There's purpose in this gathering. They were committed. They weren't hopping all over the place. I met a lady just recently as, a, as within this weekend, and she begins to tell me that she came to Destiny for some time and was looking at me as if I should know her. And I, I'm like, I am so sorry. I said, I'm normally really good with faces, which is true, and terrible with names, which is true. I said, but I do not remember. And she's like, well, we weren't there but a minute. <clears throat> And, and that's fine, you know, but here's where we are, folks. Like, like it or not, we have so many choices. Uh, we ha- we, it's the Baskin Robbins of faith. We have so many flavors. We have so many choices that we can just choose where we want to. And you can, you can go, but if you keep uprooting that, Planting in a pot, uprooting, planting in a pot, uprooting, planting in a pot. Every one of those pots have different soils, just like every place you go have a different mission or, or, or vision. And you're never going to be well-rounded. Listen, I'm telling you, if you will find a place and stick there, God will begin to grow you. Well, the church is going through a tough time. Listen, every single church is going through a tough time. I've I've talked to pastors on a regular basis, and they're like, man, I'm telling you, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. And I talk to pastors of mega churches all the way down to churches that run maybe 10 to 12. And on whatever spectrum it is, proportionately, they're all, we're all experiencing different things. And listen to me, God is looking for some people. I'm one of them. I'm telling you, I'm one of them. God is looking for some people. Come hell or high water, like my mom used to say. It doesn't matter if the creek rises or if it falls. It doesn't matter if it's sunshine or if it's rain. It doesn't matter if we got the lights on in the building or somebody, we had to cut them off because we didn't have the money to pay for them. It doesn't matter if the building burns down. We're going to meet outside. But we're going to meet. We're going to get together because God is looking for a people that will say, I will not be moved. There's an old hymn that says, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree, an oak tree planted by the water. I will not be moved. I won't be moved. I'm going to be committed to this house and to God's house. The believers were devoted to the apostles' teachings. So this tells me that These were people who were hungry to learn. They were hungry to learn the word of God. They were hungry to know more and to grow and be transformed. Like it wasn't okay enough for them to just go and, you know, get whatever it is that they can get today. They truly wanted to know more about the word of God and how I can apply it to my life and how I can be a better person. They were committed to the teachings of 
the apostles. They weren't looking for the latest, greatest three-point messages. They weren't looking for the most trendy messages. We were talking, and this sounds like I'm going to be throwing shade, and I really might be. I don't know. I know my heart is not to do that, but it might sound like I'm throwing shade. But I said, I will never, and I may have to eat these words because whenever you say never, you know. But I'm like, I will never preach a series called Jesus at the Movies. I've done one of those. I did it, you know, in the early days of our church. I'm like, why? Because, hey, it was a trendy thing. And, and, and I did what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And, and, you know, Jesus at the movies or the church and God in whatever, whatever. And I'm like, I, I will never do those. I will never do those. Are they inherently wrong? No. But I'm like, whenever I come, I'm like, I guess you can get a lesson out of Spider-Man. I've watched those movies and I'm like, man, I I see God in this or I see the Holy Spirit in that and all of that. But when I come into this house, I am not going to try to make a movie, the Bible fit a movie. I'm not going to try to make the Bible fit a video clip. I'm going to say, God, what does the word say? And just speak to us out of that because I'm hungry to learn. I'm hungry to learn at a deeper level than I've been. When I got saved, I didn't need to know what the Greek meant. Are you following me? I just needed to know about grace. I just needed to know about mercy. I just needed to know about forgiveness. I just needed to know about identity. But as I get older, I want some some deeper word. I want to know what the Greek says. I want to know what the Hebrew says. I want to know the customs of it and how that applies to my life. So I'm asking you, church family, man, come hungry for the word of God. If you're not hungry and it just doesn't, like, man, I just don't have a desire. Ask the Lord to give you an unquenchable desire for his word. And pray for me that I and other leaders can uh, deliver it up for you. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Fellowship, it's a close-knit community. Koinonia is the Greek word there. Koinonia, when Paul talked about koinonia in Galatians 2.9, he says it like this. When I met Paul, Peter, and uh, um, Peter, Paul, and John. When I met Peter, Paul, and John, they extended to me the right hand of fellowship. Did you know that us shaking hands today is a biblical practice? Most people don't even think about it. Hey, man, how you doing? You stick that hand out. What are you doing? You are coming into agreement with them. You, it's, it's like you're saying, I'm welcoming you into my fellowship. Hey, the right hand, dex, uh, dexios, uh, koinonia, community, hand, shake of fellowship. When we come in, we agree on it. Can we shake on it? All right. So that in many times, that was the covenant that people made. My word is my bond. Can we shake on it? We're gonna put a handshake to it and this right here between two men or two women or a man and a woman, when they shake on a deal, it's done. What just happened? I came into community with you. I came into communion with you. I came into covenant with you. And this is a close-knit community. When somebody extended their hand, it meant we accept you. We accept you. We know you by name in this place. When you're known by name, it means it, it brings value to you. When somebody uh, remembers your name, how does that make you feel? Man, I can't believe you remembered my name. All of a sudden, you feel valued. 
all of a sudden you feel wanted. You feel noticed. You feel like they see your identity when they would welcome people into fellowship with that right hand of fellowship. What they were saying is that you're part of our family. You're part of our family. We're welcoming you in. I remember the old timers whenever, you know, I was a little boy and they would take my hand and, you know, big old massive hand uh, taken over my little hand and they would take me and they'd pull me. Isn't that how the church is supposed to be? Like, man, we take people and we welcome them in and we pull them because we want them. It's not, we want you for you. We want you for you because you are called with a purpose and for a purpose. There's value in you. There's identity in you. You have giftings in you that God wants to use in this house. And so fellowship, fellowship, they committed themselves to a close-knit community. They made themselves a safe community where you can come in and be like, hey, guess what? There's not one person in this house that's perfect. There's not one person in this house that doesn't have a past. There's not one person, oh, but you don't know my past, or they don't know my past, or my past is illegal, and you know, I've got a record and all of that. Listen, all of that's just legalities when it comes to natural stuff. It's all the same to God. When, when I'm talking all the same, meaning it's all under the blood is what I mean. Yeah. It's all under the blood. There's not a person in this house who is better than the other. There's not a person in this house who has a right to look down our nose at someone else. Man, we are brothers and sisters in Christ and when you begin to form that close-knit fellowship, you're going to begin to, to uh, receive healing. I posted on Facebook this quote that I came across this week, and it's like, when people begin to be vulnerable, listen, when people get to the place in a community that they can be vulnerable, that's when healing starts at the base level. When I can make myself vulnerable and you won't accuse me. When I can make myself vulnerable and be completely transparent and you won't shame me. When I can make myself vulnerable and you won't ridicule me or make fun of me. When I can make myself vulnerable and you won't try to one-up me. Are you following me? When I can just make myself vulnerable and the church begins to welcome us in and just love each other. In that close-knit community, too, guys, it doesn't just come with full acceptance, but it comes with full accountability. Can I say it again? Being part of a close-knit community, this is important. This isn't my notes. Somebody write this down so I can post it later. (laughs) Being part of a close-knit community, it's not merely about just you know, full acceptance, like you just fully accept me. It's about full accountability. When you're in a close-knit community, you're going to be called to accountability from time to time. Every person, leadership down to the newest believer. This is the last thing. To the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Actually, two things. Let me just put them up there. So they committed themselves to the Lord's Supper and to prayer. This showed that they were both a generous and a worshiping group of believers. Guys, 
when they, uh, when they shared in meals, I shared with you why they were uh, sharing. So many of them coming into the church so at a very fast rate. They had to share the meals. But they weren't just sharing meals for the sake of getting together and eating. They would share these meals, and in those meals, they would share the goodness of God. They wouldn't get together and be like, oh, Murdish, you ain't ever going to believe what happened to me the other day, and, you know, blah, 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 whiny, 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 and, uh, you know, no. And I'm telling you, that, that, that is the essence of a lot of believers' uh, testimonial life. They're testifying about every terrible thing uh, going on in, in their life. That's not what they are doing here. They're getting together, they're testifying, and they're sharing the good news about what God is doing in their life. And they committed themselves to prayer. They were a worshiping community. Pastor Rife, I know all of this. I know all of these things. And I'm just saying, listen to me, church. Listen, can y'all just listen to me for a second? I know we say we know these things. If we did, the church of the living God around the world and especially in the United States would not be in the shape that it's in right now. Now you can sit there and you can say, I'm a worshiper, Pastor Rife. I'm generous, Pastor Rife. Listen, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, I'm this. We can say that, but the evidence does not show that. And I'm not talking about Destiny Church by itself. I'm talking guys trending around the world, especially in the United States. We are a postmodern, post, or sorry, we are postmodern, but we are post Christian nation. We can sit there and say we're not all we want. We are a post Christian nation. It is time for the community of faith to be the community of faith that we do not have to be begged to be generous. We do not have to be begged to be worshipers. We do not have to be begged to be. Uh, uh, committed. I'm telling you, we don't have to be begged to be spiritual. We don't have to be begged to be hungry. Do you think for one minute church family that on the outside of this world, that in every secular uh, uh, place that there is, that the enemy is begging people? No, they are beating the door down to get into the dark places. They are beating the door down. So I'm asking you, arise, shine, let the light, for the light has come. Arise, shine, man. I'm calling the church to a place. Please, if, 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 if I ever understood Paul, whenever I read in, in his book, where he's, in his writings, where he says, I beseech you, brethren. I beseech you, brethren. What he's basically saying, listen, man, I'm begging you. I'm... I'm begging, I'm begging you. Y'all, please, please come on, man. Let's get our worship game on. Please, come on, come on. Let's be gentle, please, come on. We, for God's sake, you know, bring your kids to church. For God's sakes, I know you can do things at home. Bring your kids to church. For God's sakes, let's come in here and do this, that, and the other. Why? Why? Because. In the last days, this is what scripture says, in the last days, there will be a great falling away. But in the last days, the scripture says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and blood. In the last days, the trends are going to go the opposite direction. But in the last days, I'm going to turn them around. That's what the word of God is saying. Are you with me? 
This is, it's, it's not the end. If the church of the living God would stand up and do what he's called us to do and come into rich community, I'm telling you what, you watch. What would happen? What would happen? What would happen? What would happen? Verse 43 would happen. Verse 43, and a deep sense of awe came upon all the believers. And the apostles did mighty signs and wonders. And I know right there it sounds like um, that only the church leaders did signs and wonders. But nope, when they sent the, when they sent the disciples out, the disciples, you, yeah. me, go out and we see signs and wonders. That will happen. That will happen, I'm telling you. Say it with me. A healthy church has a close-knit community. A healthy church has a close-knit community. Here's three ways, guys. Number one, take a step towards deeper community. The scripture says this. If you want to have friends, show yourself friendly. That's what the word says. There's a friend who uh, is closer than a brother, the scripture says. If you want friends, if you want community, then show yourself friendly. Take a step. Nobody's ever invited me over to their house. Who have you invited over? I've invited 10 people. Invite 11. I've had 10 no's. You might have 20 no's, but keep going. Keep going. Take a step towards deeper community. Look at this one. Join a small group. This is what I want to have next year. I'll share this probably more uh, next Sunday, but next year, this is the number. I feel like God just dropped this in my spirit. Next year, I want to have 12 small groups. I want to have 12 small groups. I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't want somebody to just lead a group. Well, I'll lead one of them, Pastor Rife. I'll do one. No, I don't want you to just do one. Do you have a voice? Is there something in your spirit that you feel like you can share? Do you want to do life with people? I don't want, to, I don't want you to do a program, but I feel like that there are at least 12 groups, and I, I feel like that's a spiritual one, like the 12 disciples, 12 tribes. I believe that God is speaking for us for, for when we start off in January, that there will be 12 groups to grow in deeper community. I want you to be a part of one of them. Man, we have probably anywhere from seven to eight and sometimes as high as 12 or 13 people in our men's mentoring uh, group, our men's prayer uh, times. And I don't know, the women's has, you know, 18, 20, 25, 30. I don't know how many they have. But being a part of those things are important to the life of the church and God wants us to have more of those. And then this is the last one. Plant roots, become a member, become a member somewhere. What do you mean by that? Pastor, I'm just not into putting my name on a church roll. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you are known in that place. Everybody knows your name. Everybody knows who you are. They know your family. They know things about you. They know what value you bring to the table. They, they know, like I'm, I'm telling you, people will tell me, I'll meet them in public, and, and it's like, yeah, I go to your church, and I'm like, no, ma'am, you don't. Mm -mm. Now, I don't say it to them like that. That's in my head. Like, yeah, I, I go to Destiny, mm -hmm. and I'm like, mm -mm, no, you don't. Mm -mm. I've been at churches, uh, you know, eight times, nine times larger than this, and I, I knew everybody there. Like, I surely can know y'all's names. I, at, at least I know your faces. 
Find a place. Be known at that place. Get connected at that place. Paul said, to the members of the church at Ephesus, to the members of the church at Corinth, there were people who they were designated geographically to a, geographically to a specific location. Get connected somewhere. Why? Because membership has its privileges. It truly does. Membership has its privileges. I will help whoever the Lord help, uh, tells me to help. But I'm telling you what, you want me to come to, to the aid of somebody in my family, in my church family, you take priority.